Okay, well, let's uh, let's get started. I uh, I either deleted the, the recording of last week or I I didn't record it. I know one of the two. So <laughs> probably spent a little bit more time in the introduction uh, for the uh, sake of those who haven't been here and who are wanting to listen to um, the recording. Uh, congratulations to Cheryl, who uh, is now officially retired. So, yeah, woohoo! So I'm sure that's going to bring a, a lot of joy and interesting, uh, interesting times. So yeah, I feel like Adam in here. We have an imbalance in this room. Yeah. When, when you retire, you get the table. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Okay, that's good. Well, let's let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for um, your word, and uh, thank you, Lord, for your work in each one of our lives. Thank you uh, for saving our souls and for uh, drawing near to us. Thank you, Father, for every season of life and the joys and the uh, challenges that each one brings. Pray yet, Lord, as we occupy here, uh, where you call us home, we ask uh, as we seek to study your word, and have a greater understanding of stilling our souls so that we can be more intimate with you, that you would so work in our hearts through this study and through uh, studies, Lord, that um, we bless us. We pray that we would draw near to you and that you would draw near to us. We ask for wisdom and clarity of thought and mind today as we hear your word and as we discuss it. ask that you would be pleased with the result. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, very good. So, uh, last week was an introduction to stilling our souls for intimacy with God, and I didn't quite get through the introduction, uh, so we kind of have introduction uh, number one and introduction number two as far as the weeks go, but we began laying the groundwork for, for that. And uh, the, the, the kernel... Um, verse or passage of scripture that uh, we have moving forward uh, regarding that is Psalm 4610a, which is a, a very well-known verse, be still and know that I am God. And uh, we um, examined a little bit of the words in that passage of scripture, the word still uh, means to, uh, to cease or to stop. And so God is calling us to cease or to stop from certain kinds of activities, certain kinds of thinking. So not, not everything that uh, is striving is bad, right? I mean, God asks us to strive after certain things, uh, to toil after certain things. But in this context, he's asking his people to stop a certain kind of striving. And of course... Uh, surrender ourselves, to humble ourselves, and to know that He is God. Of course, the whole context, by the way, of Psalm 46 is Second Kings chapter 18 through 21. And we're not going to turn there, but most of you have read through this and understand what was going on. You have a tale, not a tale, um, a, a true historical story about two hearts and two passions. You have the divided nation, Israel and Judah, you have Israel um, 
in complete idolatry. Judah is not far behind in the sense of uh, going down that path. But, but certainly at that point in time in history, Israel has given themselves over to just complete idolatry. And Judah has not. And in part because they have a, uh, an outstanding king called Hezekiah. Uh, and in this context here, Hezekiah um, was being challenged by a, uh, another king who wanted, obviously, not only to take over Israel, but he was taking over, wanted to take over Judah, Judea and uh, specifically Jerusalem. And do you remember the king who sent his wicked uh, general, who spoke blasphemous things against God? Um, The king's name was Sennacherib. So uh, in the end, Hezekiah um, took uh, all of the language, uh, the blasphemy of this general who was uh, mocking God and his power, and his providence, and, uh, and, and even a writing that the general had produced and brought it before God and laid it out before him. God uh, simply did not let Sennacherib uh, destroy or take over Judah. In essence, there wasn't a spear that was chucked. There wasn't a sword that was slashed at all. God simply sent a rumor. And the rumor brought the king and his army back to their homeland, to defend something that wasn't even there, and then Sennacherib eventually was. God is that powerful. So from, from that historical scene, you have this verse that says, Be still and know that I am God. It's, it's quite remarkable. And, um, of course, when you think of you know, the opposite of being still, being quiet in our souls, you have what? Agitated, right? Just not being comfortable, a lot of disquietedness, interruptions, intrusions, sorts. And David understood that in Psalm 139. And we read Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any, any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So uh, this, this passage uh, and, and this phrase, know my heart, speaks of his anxious thoughts. So David was coming before God in prayer, knowing and sensing that in his soul there was a disquieting, there was something that wasn't right. So he's asking God to search his, his heart and his anxious And that word grievous means ways of pain. That's personally painful ways that occur to us personally and certainly to others. So what does this lack of stillness look like? We went to the Testament. And we began um, studying a key passage of, uh, of this study, which is um, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we have Jesus explaining to us um, what it means to have a quiet soul. And, and in essence, there are, there are two commands, two exhortations. He says, come to me and be like me. That's what Jesus is saying in that passage. Come to me like me. Take my yoke upon me. Now, everybody knows what a yoke yoke when you have a yoke of oxen. There's these oxen that are yoked together by... Um, some apparatus, 
and, um, and, and that word yoke really means to be tailor-made. God has a yoke for his children that is tailor-made. It's perfect for us. And, and when we, um, through unbelief, through lack of faith, through uh, believing all sorts of things that really don't line up with Scripture, what we do is we cast off that perfectly tailored yoke that Jesus wants us to bear, uh, to bear which is easy, we put on ourselves a burden that we were not meant to carry. Not carry. So, um, so we, uh, we further examined this idea of how noise is produced. It's produced by creating a, disort- a, a disturbance. There's a disturbance in the physical realm. We talked about that. Well, how does that occur? Through waves. And then there's a, stir- a disturbance in the heart realm. And, and that occurs by thoughts. And these thoughts are those that don't line up with Scripture. They don't line up with God. So we examine this idea of thought, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4-5. through 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so this idea of the thoughts... Um, those are what settle our soul, and those are what um, disturb, bring, bring, bring disturbingness, if you will, or unsettling thoughts to our soul. So today, if you think about today, I mean, people are very in touch with their feelings. You talk to coworkers, you talk specifically to unbelievers, as an example. They're very much in, in touch with their feelings. I feel this way, I feel that way. What, what oftentimes what we and others don't spend a lot of time on is how, what are we thinking to get those feelings? Because feelings follow our thoughts. So our thought life is so crucial um, and important. So this lack of stillness or, or noise in our soul, um, first of all, comes from our thoughts. Secondly, it's stoked by our thoughts. And or thirdly, it can be quenched by our thoughts. So our thoughts, and I wanted to just stop for a minute here and, uh, and, and restate uh, a premise that we talked about last week, which is um, every, every noise in our soul we are in charge of. Because every noisiness in our soul we're in charge of. We're, command, we're commander of the noise in our soul. Because those are generated by our thoughts. And, uh, and that's something that, that uh, we remember. Um, Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. Remember what that, that pit of destruction was? We, we read about that, the little word study last week. Out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. That pit of destruction literally means a pit of what? Noise. Pit of noise. And so, we ask the question, what do we notice about God's disposition in these verses? We notice that God's inclination is to what? Is to hear you. It's to hear us. I have problems, whether large or small, God wants to hear us. He wants to hear from us. And he also inclined, um, he's also inclined to give us stability. So that it brings him glory. So that's really a summary of what we covered uh, last week. So 
this week we'll, we'll try to finalize the introduction. Um, question here as we move forward is, what today is robbing you of peace with God? And I'm going to go through these. We might have gone through some of these last week, but I'm going to go through these. And I want you to just kind of think about these. I did speak with a couple of folks last week, um, and I don't mean to put Mick on the spot here, but uh, um, as we go through these, I want you to think about your life, your soul, your heart relative to these things. And if you have something that would be um, a real joy, a real encouragement uh, for the group, I'd like for you to just mention it to me on the side. Uh, Mick did mention that, uh, uh, you know, the time that... Uh, He'd certainly like to share a testimony about um, what he's been through and how God has worked in his life, and we'll do that in the future. Uh, but uh, I'd really like to use this as well as a place for just giving a testimony, glorifying God through that testimony. So, I mean, what's robbing you and I of our peace and intimacy with God? You have sounds of anxiety and fear, you know, thoughts of worry and you know, economic vulnerability, loss of control, uncertainty, sounds of discouragement and despair, thoughts of that hopelessness and defeat and self-pity. What's the use? It'll never get any better. I blew it again. I mean, we've all been there to some degree. Um, those are sounds of discouragement and despair. I always get the short end of the stick. It always happens to me. I, have, uh, I know someone uh, in my life, and uh, this individual... Uh, has had the most extreme highs um, with with the Lord in his life, and he's had the most extreme lows for long periods of time. It's like he's he's really up, and then he goes down, and he's down for a long time, and then he's really up, and he, then he goes down for a long time. And one of the problems that he has uh, is that uh, he he really has. Uh, um, a disconnect, a misunderstanding of God's forgiveness and cleansing and the consequences of sin. Let me explain that a little bit further. Um, when, when he gets right with God and he repents, he just is so filled with adulation and, and he's reading his Bible and he's talking to people and he's sharing the gospel and he's leading people to Christ. And then situations happen in his life and... Uh, uh, it's, it's like he gets discouraged because he thinks that things should change um, certain ways. He doesn't work very hard and is lazy and loses jobs and has been in prison before. And then he gets out and he's, he thinks that um, people owe him something. Then he has these long periods of just a tragic lifestyle. Then he gets right with God. And his, and his his biggest problem is, wait a minute, when, when, you, when God forgives and cleanses you of your sin, that doesn't necessarily mean that the consequences of your sin go away. Now, God does take consequences away, right? I mean, every single one of us deserves hell. Every one of us. But God has graciously taken that away because by faith we've trusted. And God does sometimes um, induce or eliminate some consequences in our lives when we deserve certain things, but, uh, but, but we can't look at our situation and circumstances and think to ourselves, well, because of that, that therefore God is not true to me. That's, that's, that's a misalignment. That's a, that's a terrible noise in the soul. Sounds of anger and frustration. Um, 
Thoughts of hurt, demands, sordid goals, sounds of bitterness and hatred, and mistreated. No, n- Nobody's going to get away with this. About sounds of lust and greed, appropriate pleasure of indulgence, of covetousness, suing these things. Know what the goal of advertising is? What's the goal of advertising? Want more. Get you to buy it. Right. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, and of course we're talking we're, we're talking about materialistic things, and we're talking about you know things that we would purchase. Um, but um, you know, devil is advertising. Every single day, subtle ways, and it's trying to get us to buy into ideas and thoughts that really cause noise in our soul. Um, I, I've been there. I've seen that. God's burden is light. Bounds are sideways or something else. Burden becomes heavy. Yeah. Good. Uh, sounds of uh, guilt and shame. Constant thoughts of sinfulness, of remorse, of embarrassment. I, I believe one of the one of the greatest noisemakers in a Christian's life is guilt. It's, um, it's a tragedy in some cases. And I've spoken about this before in the past. Uh, probably will will give some specific uh, testimony regarding this. But you have an overemphasis in church doctrine on the guilt of your sin, and and we have a healthy dose of that. Apart from grace and love of God and what He's done, there is a bindingness that occurs in a soul that is um, filled with guilt and made standards and things that go along with that. I'm not trying to be evasive, but I just I don't want to speak to all of that right now. That's some of the background that I come from. Very careful about that. So guilt is a, just a huge noisemaker. Sounds of possessions and positions. Thoughts of responsibilities, to-do lists. Think of any any Bible characters. Lots of responsibilities, and I got a to-do. I got, I got all this stuff to do. Any Bible characters come to mind? Think of this kind of noise. <laughs> Martha. Okay, yeah. Any, anybody else? I mean, if you think of another Bible character that comes up with, with even some of these others. Okay. What about lust? I mean, there's none. Samson, right? Sounds of obsessions and addictions, thoughts of rituals and habits of self-imposed demands of secrecy, cover-ups, entertainments, moves, sports, travel, adventure, coming coming home and relaxing to the, what? <laughs> to the noise. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not up here communicating as if I don't struggle with any of these. I, I struggle with these tremendously. But uh, we, we need to be careful going home and speaking to myself here as well. Going home and turning whatever on. Say, You're giving your mind thoughts. You're opening your heart up to thoughts. How different Christ's plan is for us. Turn to John chapter 14. And if somebody could read John chapter 14 verse 27. This is, this is what Christ wants for us, for our soul. He wants peace for our soul. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So it's, he's, he's saying here that his peace is, is perfect peace. world's peace is not. And so what is this verse? I mean, it's kind of dig into this verse just a little bit and ask some questions. What does this verse have to say about noisy souls? Okay. Noisy souls are what? Consider our study. We're studying what? How to be more in relationship with God so noisy souls are not 
intimate. Souls are not intimate with a Jesus-enabled lifestyle. Not intimate with a Jesus. Noisy souls are filled with what kind of thoughts? Yeah, worldly thoughts. Noisy souls are not at what? Not at peace. Souls are troubled souls. Noisy souls are afraid and fearful. This isn't an exhaustive list here, but certainly true noisy souls have not or are not receiving Jesus' peace. How long was Christ on the earth? What, okay. How long was his how long was his ministry, if you will? Uh, a little over three years, right? You ever notice in the gospels, you notice Jesus Christ running around? You get that impression that Christ was running, bro, to get things done? <coughs> Anybody ever get that impression? Well, busy, hard working, up late, up early, right? <coughs> Just just a relentless pursuit and focus of, of his father's will. That's what you that's what you notice about Christ. He wasn't running anywhere. He wasn't filled with anxiety or anything else like that. It wasn't a rat race for him. So he made sure that he accomplished everything before he left the scene without rushing. <coughs> so let's just stop really and remember this premise. Any noise in our soul is commanded by our thoughts. Any noise in our soul is commanded thoughts. So, what are the dangers of a soul unstilled or noisy? Um, well, there's physical. There's a physical danger, and, and there's a, uh, a spiritual danger. Um, not just singular, but but many. So, noisy souls promote uh, uh, what I would call the degradation of the body. If you're filled with anxiety and worry, give me some examples of physical problems you have or will have if if you have a lot of these noises in your soul. Okay? Can't sleep. A little apathetic. Okay, confused. Yeah, yeah, a little hazy, confused, um, not sure. What else? There you go, yeah. No, that's that's real. High blood pressure. Yeah, I mean, a lot goes with, with that. Cardiovascular problems, about gastrointestinal problems. I'm convinced I have many gastrointestinal problems because of my noise, my soul, worry, anxiety, those kinds of things. Just all those things. Um, I, uh, I asked uh, Brienne Fueling last Sunday, they were I asked her if she'd be willing to sit in and uh, share with us about some of these physical um, problems that, that occur because of, because of this noisy soul syndrome. She said that she'd be happy to do a lot of information and, and help understand this practically. There's, there's a, a, an autonomic nervous system, okay, in our bodies. And, um, and that autonomic nervous system is not intended to be operating all the time. And when we have anxiety, when we have um, worry, angst, all those kinds of things, the, the adrenal gland is continually producing adrenaline. Now, God gave us an adrenal gland for good purpose, good measure, right? It's, it's, it typically um, acts when? In, in emergencies, right? When, yeah, it's like, bam, something's got to happen, like, right now, okay? Your child is walking across the street and a car's coming, right? Your adrenal gland is, boom, it's, it's, it's going somewhere. Um, and this is kind of funny in our house. I don't know why, but we just like to scare each other occasionally. <laughs> And uh, my kids just grew up with that. I, I you know, I'd walk around a corner and go, hey, and they, ah, you know, and 
that, and then boom, that's the adrenaline that comes when you get scared, okay? And, and that is not intended to operate as much as it does if we have a noisy soul. And, and that wears us down. It makes us tired, um, and that affects us physically. So there are many, many problems, cardiac problems, autoimmune problems, sleep disorders. I mean, we've talked about all of that. The body is not intended to operate in emergency mode. It does, but when we have noise in our soul, guess what? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt us physically. So we have these physical um, problems and ab- abnormalities that are associated with this um, lack of stillness in our hearts. Spiritually, too, reflects, uh, uh, reflects a lack of in- intimacy with God, alienation from God. There's this distance from God, this... Uh, I don't want to say complete absence. We're speaking of believers here, but there is this 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 um, this growing um, apathy before God. This um, lack of intimacy. Um, eventually, um, this noise just completely distracts us from reality, from truth. Talk more about what is truth and, and that's a good point. Yeah, true. Clarity goes away. Clarity goes away, which covers distraction covers discernment, decisions moving forward. Great points. So what's the cure for a soul that's filled with chaos and noise? Again, we go back to this core verse with this introduction, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, okay? That's the first thing. You need to come to Jesus. There is a, a first call to intimacy there. It speaks to our heart's orientation. We can either have, you know, a faithful focus, a Godward focus, or we can have what? A self. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, we read, Abide in me and I in you. Branch, we are the branches, by the way, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can what? Do nothing. So this abiding in Christ... We're talking about John, right? And John, um, John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, d- um, gives Christ a name. In the beginning was what? The Word, right? The Word was God, and of course, first flesh. It's talking about the Word, meaning Jesus, okay? On one side of the coin, on the other side of the coin, it's talking about the Word, the Bible. But we need to come to uh, the Word, so... Having a Godward focus is the essence of what? It's the essence of faith. Having a self-focus is the essence of unbelief. So every noisy thought, every noisy soul, uh, its, 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 its core kernel is unbelief somewhere. Somewhere, somehow, you are not believing the truth of what God has shared with us about himself and what he's like. Somewhere. And we'll talk more about that because... Uh, when we get into Romans chapter 1. But uh, having a self-dependent focus is, is simply unbelief. The opposite of Proverbs chapter 3, right? Verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Believe what? Not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He... Yeah. And on what you know. Right, right. No, that's... Well, let's do this. That's, that's great. So you said it's funny to think of it in the opposite. I, I have... A few lines on your notes uh, page there. Okay, so here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to visit your, not your revised standard, your reverse 
standard Bible. Okay? You go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, okay? And I want you to go to your own personal reverse standard Bible that's in your, in your mind. And I want you to write out quickly what your reverse standard Bible would say using that passage of Scripture. I'll just give you, just, I'll just start you off, right? Um, instead of come to me, what would be the opposite of that? Stay away. Or avoid me, right? So that's the reverse standard Bible. So write it out real quick, and, uh, and, and let's, uh, I'd, I'd just like to hear what you guys would have to say about an unbelieving, self-motivated, reverse standard Bible. So would somebody do, uh, may not be all the way through, that's fine, just begin. <laughs> Good. Yeah, run away from Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good. I uh, I just I wrote this down. Avoid me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will deny you rest. Use my yoke of fellowship and intimacy, and refuse to learn what I am like, in order to become more like me. You shall find noise in your soul. That's the reverse standard. And you know something, you know. Unconsciously, sometimes we do this. Sometimes we I can tell you this much from personal experience that guilt and thinking that, that I'm not forgiven has isolated me from God and His Word. That's exactly what I did. I had so much noise in my heart. I just completely isolated myself. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants to isolate you. He wants you to feel like you, know, you don't deserve it. And we don't. God is so gracious. <laughs> I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Yeah. It's just I do it all on my own. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's we don't want to recognize some of this. Good. Yeah. Be quiet. Yes, Figure it is. It out. Good word. Right. Hard to get away. It's hard to step. Yeah, and I I'll, I'll, let me just sort of transition with that phrase stepping down, stepping down. We talked last week. I think Dave Torres mentioned this issue of pride. Answering the question, what is the Godfather of noise? It's our pride. Stepping down from the throne and letting God um, have His will and His way with us. Um, Psalm 131. Let me read this to you uh, as far as uh, our humility and, and positioning ourselves to be in a quiet time. Connie, I appreciate you sharing that. Oh Lord, my heart is not proud nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed, that word composed means leveled, a leveling, I have composed and quieted my soul, listen, like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Let me ask you a question, and, and the ladies would know this more than the guys, um, is weaning a hungry child easy? A child is hungry. They're laying on your chest. Um, are, are they calm? Not at all. Not at all. It's, but this is a picture, um, and it's not a quiet process, by the way. This is a picture of a hungry child yet settled, you know, even though they're hungry, on his or her mother's breast. 
that's that's not an easy thing. That that's not that's not at all typically a quiet process. So, to your point, Connie, to your point, Mick, it's not an easy thing. But 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 if we rest in God and His Word, that's where the quietness comes from. That's where the quietness comes from. Pride is is just a relentless noisemaker. So, we uh, we. We have to come to Jesus, and we have to come and be like Jesus. That's what he's calling us to. We have to be willing to be lowly in heart. Um, I, I'd asked you guys to do some homework, to read uh, the Gospel of John, and to see if you can find passages of Scripture that, um, that uh, sort of uh, uh, mention that Jesus' life was not about himself. Um, and I, I don't know how many passages he came up with, but um, there, there were a few. But uh, John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Okay? He, Jesus Christ was, was all about doing his Father's will. It wasn't about himself. John chapter 6, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is this is our Lord and Master. So he. Any other passages? I mean, any other passages? Somebody else want to share? Yeah. yeah. So we look at. Yeah. Amen. And he has amazingly given over to us that charter. Take his word. It's, uh, it's remarkable. And so, I mean, how does this relate? I mean, how do we relate to this in terms of us personally? What is this this idea of? Giving ourselves, it's not about us, it's about our Lord. So what is that um, measured growth? How do we measure that in our lives personally? So you have, just as an example, a uh, continual spirit of what? Of dependence on God. So that, that, that's, uh, that's what that might mean in terms of measuring uh, growth here. Having a continual attitude of, uh, and I like this word, teachability. I know the last church we were at in Greenville, South Carolina, um, one of the major uh, elements of uh, leadership attributes that was spoken about was, great if you're a great leader and you know the Word of God and you can teach it, are you teachable? Have a spirit of teachability. Having a continual spirit of obedience. Having a continual attitude of esteeming others better than yourself. These are, these are measurable um, points, characteristics, qualities, if you will, of, of a heart that is um, settled with God and His Word. Having a continual spirit of service toward others. Are you serving others? So, uh, the concluding exhortation that I would put here for this introduction is, is this. And I think you have it in your notes. We must continually come to the Word. And I said this earlier, the Word meaning Jesus Christ on the one side, and on the other side, the Word meaning the Bible. We must continually come to the Word and purpose to be like Him in order to quiet the noise in our souls. That, that's really, that's really the, 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 the illusion of our introduction into this um, stilling our hearts for intimacy with God. And then uh, we're, we're kind of moving into um, recognizing noise in our soul. I sort of listed a bunch of them um, earlier. But there's a key passage, like the key passage in the introduction was Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. 
the key passage that we're going to be working through here with recognizing um, the noise in our soul is Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, which says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, all thus by His own glory. Excellent. So, I mean, what does this verse tell us about acquiring peace? Yeah. Okay. It's through the knowledge of God, right? And uh, and what does it say about peace? It's 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 abound. It's multiple. It, it, it will be multiplied to you, abounding, lavished on you, in the means and the means by which God has given us to have this peace, this settledness in our souls, is the knowledge of Him. Is the knowledge of Him. Uh, so we we need to understand um, the nature of truth and the nature of man. Uh, we'll we'll get into this. Uh, uh, further, but in Romans chapter one, let's go there. And what I want to do in this section is uh, is r- really try to define for us um, uh, what what is truth. So we read, and I'm going to read from verse 18 uh, through right now, verse 18 through uh, 28. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, the glory of the incorruptible God, for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So, here's what we have. Uh, the nature of man here is very interesting about truth, the nature of truth and the nature of man. You have, as an example... Um, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. What does that tell you about the nature of man? Something. We're pretty transparent. What's that? We're pretty transparent. Okay. Yeah, they, they know something. Okay. Um, uh, I would say the answer to that is yes. You know, and, 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 yeah, no, but in this context, go ahead. This passage of scripture is quite eye-opening as far as the nature of man and the truth and their interaction. Number one, if you're dealing with someone who who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, doesn't agree with something about God, okay, you can rest assured that they, in essence, know about God, okay, but have replaced it with a lie. That's what this passage of Scripture is saying. What has been given to every human being, their conscience, is the fact that God exists, yet, for some reason, pride, okay, they have replaced truths about God with lies. And so that, that's just crucial. Um, because truth is what corresponds to reality. Say that truth is what is is that which corresponds to reality. Those two 
If somebody says, you know what, your reality is your reality, my reality is my reality, guess what? If it doesn't line up with God and His Word, it's not reality. It's, it's fiction. It's a fantasy. So uh, this passage of Scripture should give us a lot of um, confidence to know that when we're talking to somebody who really doesn't know Christ, they have an understanding that God exists. Um, and and uh, they, they choose to not accept the truth, but accept something else. Okay? Yeah, I... I um, anybody else? Why did God choose the Jews? To, to glorify Himself. Okay. God chooses nation. He chooses us for one reason and one reason to bring glory in ourself. I don't know why He chose the Jewish nation. I, I can't tell you that. But I know that He chose them to bring glory. And He chose you and I for that same reasons to bring glory and honor. praise Him for that. He will bring to he will bring to completion what He promised the nation of Israel. Just like He will bring to completion why He chose you, Christ Jesus. As He will do. <laughs> it's just so important to Him. I'm included in that. You yeah. know, I, I don't yeah. Sure. And, and uh, you get back to the homework. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. He chose us to do His will. We, we are to reflect God. We, we, we are... Um, transformed into his image, taking every thought captive to the mind of God. It's all about Christ. It's all about God. That's why he chose us. Not for our own glory. But for Man in mind. <laughs> three, there's a yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's a great point. Um, in fact, uh, when you look at um, one of the most um, popular characters in the Old Testament, Job. Think of Job, we think of the suffering that he went through, and um, and 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 the uh, remarkable godliness that this man had. But when you see um, him in the middle there, like in chapter 23, he wants his day in court with God. Okay, he's got a little noise going on in his soul, uh, and and uh, and then in the end, in chapter 42, it's not about why did this happen. It's not about how did this happen? It's not about when it happened. It's not about where it happened. It's about what? What's the question? What's the word? Who, what, when, where, no, why? It's, it's who. So he came to the end, and it wasn't about, it wasn't about any other question. It wasn't, why did this happen to me? Well, this happened when, where. It wasn't any, anything about it. It was who. So... The greatest, the, the greatest activity we're doing, eliminate noise in our soul, it's all about who? It's about God. It's about getting to His Word. It's about ransacking His Word. It's about opening our minds and hearts up, taking every thought captive to the mind of Him. Amen. It's true. We'll, uh, we'll pick up uh, next week here on the nature of truth. Daryl, can I ask you to close us in prayer, please? Amen.